Even religious freedom can be a barrier to those outside of Christ or to a new follower of Christ. As Christians, we know that even the United States of America is temporary. Right. And so whatever rights that we have are not as important as what's coming. If the exercise of my rights is causing a barrier to the kingdom of God for somebody, ultimately, that is the question. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pad answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Latterell. In this episode, we're continuing our discussion about rights versus responsibilities. How are you doing, Brian? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, we're in the middle of a deep freeze here in South Dakota, and Hopefully, uh, we'll survive, you know, but yeah, this is the time of year where winter has lost its charm for me. And anytime I'm indoors, I'm doing well. Gotcha. (laughs) You know, I I had an idea. Mm -hmm. Let me know what you think of this. Since we neglected to do a Chuck Norris fact at the Mm -hmm. end of the last episode. It wasn't on purpose, Mr. Norris. What would you think of doing one at the beginning of this episode? Oh, go for it. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, Mm -hmm. I've got one for you. Uh, And it is scientifically proven that since 1940, the year Chuck Norris was born, roundhouse kick related deaths have increased 13,000%. No kidding. Yeah. Not surprised. Not Not surprised. No. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, beware the roundhouse kick. Absolutely. Yes. Cool. And just, you know, we will have another Chuck Norris fact at the end of this episode too. So, because we're going to double up on Chuck. Double Chuck today. All right. Uh, All right. So, (laughs) so I just, I remember seeing a a meme, a picture of Chuck Norris in a, in a religious habit. It was nunchuck. Oh, nice. (laughs) Very nice. Alrighty. Anyway, so we're continuing a discussion that we started last time about rights versus responsibilities. We scratched the surface of the surface of the surface of the surface. We talked about a couple of things that are just, you know, surface type things. And we, a little bit about where we're coming from with it. And, and to kind of to sum it up here, we believe that we do have rights and we have them granted to us by God, rights that Jesus secured for us. Um, the right to sonship, the right to heavenly possession, all these things that he has given us through his death on the cross that we gained by his giving up his rights. We also have rights here in the United States that are guaranteed to us and encoded in our very founding documents, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The question becomes, when do or when, if ever, should we or should our rights ever be curtailed for the sake of responsibilities toward others. And today we're going to talk more about that. Uh, And spoiler alert, the answer is yes. There are times when we need to set aside our rights for the sake of other people. And because the responsibilities we have to love our neighbors as ourselves, as Josh mentioned last week, our responsibility to reflect Jesus well to other people sometimes comes at a cost and at a cost of our, quote, rights. And so I want us to look for at two things. First, we're going to look at the words and example of the Apostle Paul. And as I mentioned at the end of the last episode here, Paul was not shy about declaring his civil rights. 
And at times in the book of Acts, he used his rights as a Jewish Roman citizen to advocate for himself and others. And one time in the book of Acts, he even used those rights to humiliate the city leaders of the city of Philippi, who had imprisoned and beaten Paul and Silas unjustly, contrary to Roman law. Mm -hmm. And he made them escort him out of the jail, through the streets, basically saying, we were wrong, we were wrong. You know, uh, To the point where they actually begged him to leave the city yes. and stop embarrassing them because right. they didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> So, so Paul's a guy who was very aware of his civil rights and of his religious rights, and yet he was keenly aware that sometimes even religious freedom can be a barrier to those outside of Christ or to a new follower of Christ. So he wasn't a pushover when it came to his understanding and using his religious and political freedoms when necessary, but he also saw that there were times when he needed to set those aside. And so we're going to talk mainly about rights that we have as Christians within the church of Jesus, but I think this applies to other things as well. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, and I'm not going to read every verse here from these. We are going to read a bit. Uh, I think probably a lot of, maybe more scripture than we've ever had on a on one of our episodes. So hit us with some Bible reading. We'll do there, Brian. Okay. So starting in first Corinthians eight, chapter nine, I'll read a couple of verses here and then I'll talk a little bit about it. He says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Then in verse 13, therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Now between verses nine and 13 there, He's saying that as followers of Jesus, it's okay for us to eat meat in an idol's temple because Jesus is bigger than all that stuff. And we are not slaves bound to these things. We know that an idol is a false god. And so we're not worried if a piece of meat was sacrificed to an idol. No big deal. It's a piece of meat. Yeah, in, in Roman culture, obviously, those uh, those idols wouldn't end up eating that meat. So right. rather than just let it sit around, mm -hmm. they'd go sell it at the market afterwards and make a little bit of money. Right. At a discount. Mm -hmm. you know. Yep. So eating meat in an idol's temple was a freedom that Corinthian citizens had in Jesus. But if doing that caused someone else's faith to be destroyed, because maybe they didn't have that correct understanding. If Paul thought that his eating meat in a temple would destroy somebody's faith, then it wasn't actually a freedom. It was a sin. You could imagine a situation where someone who maybe had been in that temple. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were, in some cases, temple prostitutes. There yep. were temple workers. There were people who maybe had really into that particular cult religion or whatever. Maybe right. they worked there and had some really traumatic experiences. And for them eating a meat sacrifice to idols because they'd become a Christian, they'd come mm -hmm. out of that would be really difficult for them. Right. And might even cause them to question some things or, mm -hmm. or have a hard time with this new Jesus thing. Right. Um, like why I, I just, I just, I just got out of that. Why is this person eating the meat sacrifice to idols? How right. dare they, you know? Right. Um, so maybe, I, maybe Christianity sure. isn't really true after all. Yeah. You know, um, Alcohol, you know, there are people who have different views on alcohol or, yeah. or perhaps had struggled with alcoholism mm -hmm. and came to Christ and really trying to overcome that. And then mm -hmm. that being something that, you know, biblically, it's okay to drink alcohol. Sure. But for somebody, I mean, I mean that, that's not necessarily even a Christian thing. If you mm -hmm. know there's somebody 
in your family who is an alcoholic and might have a problem with that. You're not mm-hmm. going to serve alcohol if right. you love that person right. at a family gathering just because. Right. And so right. this is similar in that way. Yeah. That, and I'm glad you brought about. up the alcohol thing because that's kind of right where I was going to go with that because there are plenty of Christians who believe that uh, alcohol is sinful. I've seen where they get some of those arguments. I disagree with that. So I think I personally have that freedom to drink, but often I don't. In fact, most cases I don't. And I never would drink on the reservation where I grew up because the alcoholism is so rampant there that that would destroy my witness and possibly cause somebody to sin. It would be sin for me to drink in front of somebody I knew that could be caused to stumble because that would just be blatant disregard to them and harmful to them. That is not Christ-like. Uh, you know, at times you try to prove a point to somebody and it's the wrong point to prove. I don't know if I've shared this story on the podcast or not, but years ago, my wife and I picked up a hitchhiker and he was a vegetarian and uh, he was such a vegetarian that he had all his teeth removed so that he could not eat meat. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Serious. I've never heard. His name was Happy. I mean, and you got to respect the, oh, the commitment. Yeah. yeah, I did. At least. So, and I'm trying to share Jesus with this guy, you know, and we're driving down the highway. He's a captive audience, literally, because he, you know, he's not going to open the door at 75 miles an hour on the interstate. Well, maybe he mm-hmm. would have. I don't know. But Certainly not going to bite you. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or at least it wouldn't hurt. Yeah. So, we took him to, to eat. And here am I. I'm going to prove a point. So, of course, I order a cheeseburger. <laughs> okay. He orders um, like a salad or something. I can't remember what exactly what. And then he, when he, and then for dessert he ordered pie. He says, "But is it brushed with egg batter?" And she goes, "No, I don't think it is." Okay, then I'll take it. And I thought, "Are you nuts?" You know, my wife, who's much more compassionate than I <laughs> at least was back in then, she had a salad and she made sure that there was no meat in it. You know, so she didn't order a chef's salad. You know, that had ham chunks or anything in it. <laughs> And at the end, we're having our position and he gives my wife a couple of small gifts, like a little statue of Mary that he had collected along, along his travels. And you can tell he's grateful to my wife for being compassionate like that. And, you know, it's not sin to eat a hamburger, except in that case, <laughs> I should not have eaten it. I didn't need to prove a point. I needed to be this guy's friend. That's what I really should have. So I needed to curtail my right to eat meat. I don't think was sacrificed to an idol, but because could have been guy, sacrificed to Ronald McDonald. That's possible yeah. too. Yeah. Although this was like a, one of those uh, family restaurant things. Oh, so okay. yeah, it wasn't a sure. McDonald's, but, uh, but I look at that, that back then I go, man, if I had that opportunity again, I think I would do it differently. You know, I would order a salad and, you know, make sure there was no meat in it or, you know, so my wife really shone for Jesus at that point when I didn't. And, uh, but I had the right as a Christian to eat that meat, but I needed to be, my compassion should have taken over there rather than my clinging to a right. So anyway, so Paul's saying I have a right, but there's times when I need to curtail, curtail that right. Then he goes on in chapter nine. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you're the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So this is my defense to those who sit in judgment of me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? 
Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas, which is Peter? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Now, little caution here. Paul spent a long time in Corinth. It was like a year and a half, two years he spent in Corinth. It wasn't just a passing thing. He went there to establish a church. He was what we would call a bivocational church planter. So he planted a church, but he worked for a living. You know, he had a secular job making tents. And so that's where we get our big thing called the tent making ministry. It's where you go to a new place to establish a work for Jesus and you work outside of the church uh, to help pay for your expenses. Which is interesting because, and probably humbling, because he was a very highly educated guy. Oh, I yeah. mean, he was the star pupil of the the most, you know, highest of the high. He was uh, the dude, man. Priest in the, he was the up and coming guy in yep. Jewish circles. And he was a Roman citizen, which mm-hmm. not that many people were Roman citizens. His yep. parents obviously had some pull and maybe some money. You don't know. Yeah. Yep. Um, like he was, he was uh, well-respected. And for him, he's not the sort of guy that would go into the tent making trade naturally. Probably not. So, no. no. So he chose to do that. Yep. And make a living that way just in order to not have to go asking for donations, basically. Right. But, uh, you know, if you take this just the way it is, it doesn't look like Peter and the other guys had to worry about that. The places where they were ministering to him, you know, paid for them, you know, supported them. So they didn't have to do this. But Paul could not. So uh, he says in verse 12 here, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Then in verse 15, he's, he says again, but I have not used any of these rights. And then verse 18, what then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Now, I know we're not talking about constitutional rights or anything, but the whole issue of rights is that Paul deserved something, so to speak. He was entitled to some things, but rather than force those things or rather than demand those rights he had, he put the souls of the Corinthians before that. And then he goes on to this. Now we're back in chapter nine and verse 19. This is a kind of a lengthy passage here. Starting in verse 19, first Corinthians chapter nine, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's laws, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I might share its blessings. That's a, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's pretty clear that he saw whatever rights that he could claim on earth or in Corinth or whatever, Mm -hmm. that they were temporary. And so he had in mind, obviously, an, an eternal reward, a long-term view of what God was doing in the world and what he was being called to do mm-hmm. and was willing to give up those rights as fundamental as they might have been 
because they weren't what ultimately mattered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Long term. So he had a, he had a hope beyond this beyond this world. Yes. And that's one thing about as Christians, our hope is beyond this world. If mm-hmm. if if this world is all there is, if like your culture or you you know the success or failure of America mm-hmm. is all there is, then then your rights and the rights that undergird that mm-hmm. are the most important thing in the world. Right. But as Christians, we know that that even the United States of America is temporary and will yes. pass away and will be eventually all kingdoms of the world will be done away or mm-hmm. at least be under the new, you know, right. new heavens and new earth. Right. And so whatever rights that we have as American citizens or as like humans living at this time and place are not as important as what's coming. Right. Exactly right. And, and I think we'll look back. I, I, I mean, I don't know what kind of memories we're going to have there. But, I don't know. You know, I wonder if we'll look back and go, wow, I was so petty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, man, I really. I'm 100% sure we're going to. I mean, There's yeah. going to be so many things. We're like, why did I care so much about that? Yeah. Yeah. Why was that such a big deal to me? Mm-hmm. Yep. And maybe we should take some of those now. Now, I use this passage, passage in reference, 1 Corinthians 19 through 23 here. In defense of my wearing masks during the midst of the pandemic, uh, I posted it on Facebook and I and I basically said, you know, to the mask wearer, I became like a mask wearer to win the mask wearer. To those not wearing masks, I didn't wear masks because it wasn't my point to say you need to wear a mask. And it wasn't my point to the person wearing a mask to say you shouldn't wear a mask. Yeah. What are you doing? You cheap. Yeah. 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 I did that because I wanted other people to see that I care about them more than I cared about the fabric across my face. Yeah. I wanted old lady at Walmart to know that I care about her. No matter what my personal thoughts were on the efficacy of masks, she needs to know that I care. And the the man over here and the lady over here who is so anti-mask, you know, they need to know that I get it. You know, and so when we're having a conversation, I'm not going to wear a mask. <laughs> And I'm not going to expect you to wear a mask. And you're not going to try to make them feel like the scum of the earth because right. they're and they're going to kill grandma if they don't wear masks. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and I think we need to have a, a kind of an attitude like that that says my rights have to take a second place to my responsibility to you because I have to care about you more than I care about my rights. And that's everything that Paul is saying here in First Corinthians eight and nine. He's just saying. I love you more than I love my rights. And this is the kingdom focus that we need to have. I want to see the kingdom of God grow. And I want to see Jesus living and honored in Corinth, this seat of godless idolatry. <laughs> is there really such a thing as godless idolatry? Because they're gods. But anyway, they, you know. Oh, but, yeah. But not. You know, whether Jehovah, it's a godless, the, what, depending on whether it's a big G or a small G, right. right? Yeah. So big G godless for sure. But Paul just said he has rights, but he chose not to exercise them. Mm-hmm. And I think whether it's constitutional rights or Christian rights, we need to examine those things and see if the exercise of my rights is harming somebody or causing a barrier to the kingdom of God for somebody. Ultimately, that is the question. Yeah, if it's sometimes a matter of being, I know we're talking about rights, but being right about Mm -hmm. some small thing Mm -hmm. and some 
lesser truth. And because you're so stuck on that thing or you want to argue that, mm -hmm. um, you might be right. Mm -hmm. um, but if that's going to ultimately push people away from the bigger truth, then that's certainly not the, the hill you want to die on. Right. Yeah. Right. But again, political rights are important to know. I, my mind just flashed over again. I think we mentioned him recently in the last episode or two, but William Wilberforce in England, a member of parliament, brought every single year, he brought a resolution to end the slave trade in England. And it took like 27 years. And the British Empire, which was worldwide oh empire. Oh my goodness, worldwide empire. And the slave trade was such a huge part of their economy. Yeah. But he says, this is wrong. At that time, it's hard to fathom, but it's, it's, it's insane to think is it would be, it would be more insane than like, we need to completely get rid of all fossil fuels mm -hmm. tomorrow. Right. If we did that, like the world economy would essentially collapse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not to say that we can't wean ourselves off of them over time, right. but, um, that's that's another discussion. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if, you took, if you took the most extreme view and said, let's just outlaw all fossil fuels mm -hmm. tomorrow, like hundred millions of people would die, the mm -hmm. economy would collapse, blah, blah, blah. Oh, sure. That's the way people felt about the slave trade. Now, obviously that mm -hmm. wasn't true, but it was a very integral part of the world economy at that time. Right. And right. people felt like, how could you even do right. you know, world commerce without some form of slavery right and, and yeah and part of that was was just because slaves were thought of as property mm -hmm. not as people um which was huge but william wilberforce john newton mm -hmm. people said no no these are men and women made in the image of god they have a right to be free and william wilberforce used his right as a member of parliament to bring this up year after year after year after year and 27 years straight it took before it was finally outlawed that's perseverance i mean he could have given up you know on year 25 he said you know what? i've put a quarter century into this already obviously it's not going to go anywhere he said nope gonna keep going yeah and he did and the world's a much better place for it and so the slave trade ended Slavery itself had not ended yet. That wasn't the issue at that point, but it wasn't too much later after that, that slavery within the British Empire was also illegal. The actual, yeah. now in the US, many of the slaves that were in the United States had already been imported. And so now we were, they were using generations past that, or some were brought up from different parts of like South America, or they were brought in from Africa to parts of South America and then brought up through the Caribbean and things like that. So um, many of them did come directly from Africa through the British shipping lanes and all that sort of stuff. But slavery within the British Empire, I'm trying to think of when slavery actually ended in the British Empire. Um, I think it, oh man, I think it was the 1850s. I'm not yeah. sure now. But, and, it, uh, and it's kind of fascinating to look at the history because the, the British uh, fleet actually spent a fair amount of resources actually stamping out the slave trade and mm -hmm. fighting and freeing slaves and chasing down slave ships and mm -hmm. they lost actually quite a few yep. quite a few soldiers and sailors mm -hmm. in those battles to to stamp out so it wasn't just legislation it wasn't just words it was 
the entire society right, right. turned against government the slave resources. Trade. Yeah, you know, I think uh, when Parliament saw and and the king saw that slavery was not a legitimate institution, you know, and that they took the hard steps, and ultimately, you know, here in the U.S., even though you know slavery became the main issue of the war, it didn't start out that way, although. It was always in the back of their minds. Lincoln specifically said, you know, if I could save the Union and not free a slave, that's what I would do because his job was to save the Union. Now, his personal revulsion of slavery was huge. And the Civil War, of course, brought about the end of slavery, much to his joy. So he was not upset at all, <laughs> obviously. And, of course, the Emancipation Proclamation, which, you know, was designed to free slaves in rebellious states. later became, you know, a constitutional thing and, and yeah. slavery ended, thank God. But um, because men, well, and here it is, it, these were freedom of speech issues. So some of the most vocal proponents of abolition and freedom from slavery in the U.S. were the pastors and the preachers. They preached it from the pulpits, and a lot of them got into a lot of trouble for that, particularly in the Southern churches. Oh, yeah. I will say, and yeah. you, you know, just as an example, um, and there's a, a lot that you could talk about if you wanted to go to the, the, you know, the history of slavery in the United States, because the groundwork for the end, end of slavery was actually laid before the nation was founded. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were so many of those founding fathers that were an, like specifically anti-slavery, yes. which is unusual. And the way the Constitution was written in the way that it was in mm -hmm. order to sort of kick that can down the road because otherwise there would be no country because right washington was a slaveholder jefferson was a slaveholder mm -hmm. adams was not yeah but uh yeah yeah a lot yeah. of them were so. and but and even slaveholders who were against slavery and wanted to free their slaves there were laws preventing them from doing that yeah that yeah. you could have been born into a slaveholding family and said i want to free these slaves and you literally couldn't like mm -hmm. they wouldn't allow you to there were some loopholes and so yeah. Um, so that, I mean, you can try to put yourself in the shoes of somebody like that. It's, it's pretty yeah. difficult to sort of take ourselves and our minds out of our common, you know, current context and try to think about mm -hmm. how we would act in that situation. It's pretty tough, but right. nonetheless, like you're talking about in, in Texas, for instance, when Texas, uh, sort of broke away from Mexico and they <laughs> weren't being allowed in the United States because specifically, mm -hmm. They didn't want any more slave states. Yes. They didn't want another territory to become a slaveholder territory. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't let Texas in because there was a sort of a very pro-slavery sentiment mm -hmm. there at the time. And in fact, mm -hmm. the folks who were anti-slavery in Texas were in some cases hunted down and killed, including mm -hmm. pastors. And yep. uh, even if you didn't own slaves, you were sometimes suspected of being a you know, a, a, sympathizer. a sympathizer and they yep. would, yeah, they'd yep. kill you and drop you down holes and yep. do all sorts of terrible things. So yep. Yep. that's, I mean, that's why the right to freedom of speech, the right to freedom of, of, of mm -hmm. conscious to be able to say and live what you believe within exactly right. reason is, is so important. Yeah. Well, you know, and just the press back in those days. Abolition newspapers, abolition were all over the place. And mm -hmm. that was allowed in our U.S. Constitution. You had the freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. Preachers were allowed to preach about slavery, against slavery from their pulpits. And God-fearing Christian people let their voices be heard. 
And they also got involved in things like the Underground Railroad. And, and sometimes in the Deep South, they put themselves in tremendous danger to help slaves and to even speak about their convictions on slavery. Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, huge anti-slavery uh, book. Lincoln credits that book with starting the war. Huh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that book came out in, free in the United States, you know, and uh, it was one person's strong writing style that really made that across. So anyway, yes, we have great freedom in our country. We need to exercise those freedoms. For the sake for of the others sake in particular. Others. Right. Yeah. Because with those rights come responsibilities. And I think if we focus so much on the rights that we forget our responsibilities, uh, we are in a mess of hurt. Because as much as anything else, well, let me just keep going here. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So we talked a lot about the, the words of Paul and his example here. But let's look a little bit at the the example of Jesus. We're not going to get quite as far into this or as deep into this one because he doesn't teach so much about it as Paul did. But you mentioned in the last episode, Josh, that Jesus gave up his rights. He completely gave up his rights as the son of God. He, he came to be abused and die on our behalf, even though he could have rightfully stayed with the Father, receiving worship from the angels, never having to be subject to the toils and the tribulations and temptations of us humans. He could have left all that alone, and we'd have gotten what we deserved for our sin. But he said, nope, I love them too much to do that. So I'm going to set aside my heavenly rights for their sake. And then he came down, and he, and he wasn't just some religious spiritual figure who you know walked on clouds and he hung out he washed feet and one thing i just caught as i was working on this is that he washed feet but nobody washed his even after that even after he washed feet nobody jumped up and said oh hey let me wash yours jesus you know at least it's not recorded that they did he touched lepers and demon possessed people he healed people that didn't even believe in him he could have said, you know, I'm here for the Jewish people alone, you know, so you don't have the right to this. You know, he came first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, Paul says. But even in the midst of his time in Jerusalem, the Syrophoenician woman, my daughter's possessed by a demon, I need help, you know, mm -hmm. the Samaritan woman. He was abused and he was killed for political reasons as much as religious ones. You know, the, the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders were threatened by him. It wasn't his theology they were afraid of. They were afraid of his power. And uh, people were following him. He, he was silent at his trials. And he had a right to defend himself. Absolutely. And he chose not to mm -hmm. because he was on a mission. Yes. And, and he said brief moments when he would say things like, well, are you the Messiah? And he'd say, you say that I am. <laughs> like that had to be frustrating for those guys. <laughs> That's not an answer. <laughs> <laughs> um I am the truth, you know, what is truth? You know, I mean, Pilate says to him, what is truth? And Pilate says, why don't you say something? Yeah. I've got the power of life and death in my hands. You just need to convince me. And Jesus says, well, you wouldn't have any power if it wasn't for my father. And my mission is a little more important than that. He never did impose his rights to avoid his mistreatment. Why? Because his self-imposed responsibilities were more important to him than any rights he had as a human on earth. He was just above all that. You know, he just, the mission, you said it, it was his mission. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to bring uh, eternal life. He came in John 10, he says, he came that we might have life and have it to the full. He had stuff to do, people to see, 
people save. He didn't have to go through everything he did, but he did. So what are some of our responsibilities? I'm just going to throw some out here. So, so we've talked a lot about rights and how Paul gave up some of his. Uh, we talked about how, how Jesus gave up some of his. So now let's move over to the issue of responsibilities just a little bit. What are some of the ones that we have? Well, I think one of the things we're responsible for is that we're responsible to display the fruit of the Spirit in every circumstance. And the fruit of the Spirit is not negotiable. All aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are supposed to be on display in all Christians at all times. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're all supposed to be there, no matter what's going on. So we're responsible to display that. Mm-hmm. And just as a reminder, just because we talk a lot about speaking the truth in love, also in that passage, it speaks quite a bit about the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and these are to be displayed in the truth and not right. just, this isn't just being nice to people or mm-hmm. being inoffensive or not saying things that people don't want to hear at times. Because all of these, the fruit of the spirit is to be done for the sake of truth and because of Mm -hmm. Jesus, who is the truth. Right. Yeah. And and scripture says that all scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So there are times when we've got to say hard things and we need to correct people and we need to tell them they're wrong. Or unpopular things. Right. Right. But even then, the fruit of the spirit can still be on display Mm -hmm. because oftentimes it's kind to correct somebody who may be in error. That's showing kindness. That's a, that's part of the fruit of the spirit. So, but we need to also be patient, understanding that we don't have all the answers either. <laughs> so anyway, so that's one of them. We are responsible to display biblical love to everyone, regardless of their political affiliation, ethnicity, and even religious affiliation. We are responsible to display biblical love to everyone. Along with that, we're responsible to show respect and dignity to everyone simply because they bear the image of God. And we say that a lot on this podcast, but it's just true. If you're a human being, you bear the image of God, however imperfectly. And for that reason alone, you deserve dignity and respect. Well said. As Christians, we have a huge responsibility. We are responsible to make disciples of every ethnic group. The Great Commission that we love to quote, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. And every culture too. I mean, we- And that's just it. They didn't think about necessarily ethnicity or race Mm -hmm. the way that we did now. That that came later, 1,500 years later, actually. But nations and cultures were extremely important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you were Greek or a barbarian, you know, anybody who basically wasn't Greek or Roman was a, was a barbarian, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and what you did and how you wore your hair and like the way you worshiped your gods and how you prepared your food. I mean, that's sort of those, those sorts of like things, like people took really seriously. And if Absolutely. you, you know, if you didn't do live in a certain way, you were, you were on the outs, you were maybe slightly subhuman because of your, your lack of culture. Right. And so when he's talking about nations here, you Mm -hmm. know, every, every nation, uh, every, what, what's the, the word? It's actually a Greek term, ta ethne. It's every people group. People group. So make disciples of all people groups. And people groups were quite different. Worship different gods. You know, they, some of them would raise their kids completely differently or, Mm -hmm 
train them up to be warriors or be peace loving mm-hmm. people or, you know, very, very different sets of values. Right. Um, sometimes very offensive values to your culture. Yes. Um, and some pretty weird stuff. I mean, you want to, you want to look at, you, <laughs> you get acquainted with some pretty weird stuff if you start looking back in history far oh, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so different people who have different beliefs, different cultures, different political backgrounds, different ways of life. Um, their way of life may not be in line with God's truth and what it means to follow Jesus, but they themselves are subject to God's love and, mm-hmm. and, and people that we need to reach, even if their ways You're right. are, and their culture or belief system is offensive. Right, right. So a couple other things here. I, um, I'm really glad that I've been able to think through this because this was a hard thing for me to wrestle through. And again, I'm still not done with this, but I'm grateful that, that I've just been able to talk with the Lord about some of these things. Another thing we're responsible for is that we're responsible to show compassion, tangible compassion, even to those we disagree with. One of the, my favorite stories in all of the New Testament is the parable of the Good Samaritan because that story was so scandalous to the people who heard it. The Samaritan offering help to a Jew in those days would be like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, an Islamic terrorist offering help to, you know, a, a, rep, a Republican senator or something. You know, I, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I, I think I had one back in my brain when I was thinking through this. But Jesus specifically chose a hated people group. No Jew thought the Samaritans were any good. Samaritans were dogs to people, to the Jews. I mean, Jesus specifically tells a story where the people who should have helped this guy passed him by mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. But this other guy who maybe, probably maybe, had, maybe an Antifa guy going out of his way to help a white supremacist there you go. or something there you like go. that. That's a good I, way to say it. Absolutely. Yep. Took um, me about a minute, but I came up with something. <laughs> But here's a guy who would have, of anybody, would have had the best reason to pass the guy by, showed compassion. And this is where the difference between pity and compassion comes in. He could have just had pity. And, and I, the other people had pity on him, but none of them had compassion because mm-hmm. so passion is, is tangible action. And so that's where, I, in parentheses, I still have here also mask wearers. You know, we may disagree with somebody wearing a mask, but we don't have to beat them up about it. We can show compassion. We're not wearing a mask. Yeah, we're not wearing one. We just say, you know what? That's you. You do you. And uh, I'm not going to beat you up one way or the other on that. I'm just going to let you have it. But as much as anything else, we are responsible to be the hands, feet, and reflection of Jesus to the world around us. That is where it all filters down. Our rights need to help us to be responsible to be the hands and feet and reflection of Jesus in the world around us. And we have great freedom to be able to do that here in the United States. Great freedom. And I hope we never lose it. But above all, that responsibility will never go away, regardless of the political situation in America. All of our rights could be stripped away. The Constitution could be destroyed. And we will always be responsible to reflect Jesus accurately to the people around us. Any thoughts on that before I get rid of it? No, I don't, I don't really have anything to add. That was okay. well said. I appreciate what the, the way that you phrase that. No problem. So I'd like to finish with a quote I found from a message given by Reverend Kenneth M. Locke. 
Uh, he is the pastor and head of staff at First Presbyterian Church in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. So as I was doing research on this whole issue of rights and responsibilities, I came across this quote from him. I love this. He says, our rights are important. Absolutely. But America will be a more Christian nation if we will spend less time worrying about our rights as citizens and more time acting on our responsibilities as Christians. When we take care of our Christian responsibilities, then the good news spreads. We live in peace with each other. We grow in faith. And America becomes more the nation God wants us to be. I love that. Yeah. Cool. So now I want to hear the rest of the sermon. I, I, I didn't actually hear it, uh, but he had that printed online. So, and awesome. I. And I wrote to him, or I sent him a letter saying, by the way, I'm just going to use some of your <laughs> your message on our podcast. Well, you might should take a listen. But, uh, you know, maybe that would be a guy to have a guest as a guest on Sunday. We'll see. But uh, well, I hope I he does. Hi, Reverend Locke, if you're listening. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Reverend Locke. Thank you for putting your stuff out on the interwebs so we could find it and pass it on. So um, thank you for your love for our country and your love for Jesus and his people. So, Josh, let's, what do you say we call it a night? Um, yeah, get the yeah. uh, got a Chuck Norris fact to, we do. to and, take us uh, out. Yeah, here we go. Chuck Norris won an arm wrestling tournament with both arms tied behind his back. I could see that. I could too. I, I'm having a fun time imagining how that's possible, but <laughs> you know, clearly it is. Whether Absolutely. we understand it or not, exactly we gotta right. you know take that on faith, as it, it were. There you go. Yeah. Take it on faith. Yep. So if it says that Chuck can do it, then Chuck can do it. Right. So. And and I do like that Chuck Norris is both literally and metaphorically taking us out of, you know. Right. <laughs> tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully he won't literally take us out unless it's like to dinner. But, uh, but if, he, if he took us out for like, you know, took us out, took us out, nobody would know. And I it would think, just disappear. I, I think that's a good time to end the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, our, thanks, our, everybody. We're just growing off the rails here. There you are. There you are. <laughs> We're recording this episode a little later than we do a the normal. Later so than I'm an normal. old man. Getting it takes a me a little while. Right? There you go. That's right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I, I hope this has helped you, if nothing else, wrestle more with the idea of rights and responsibilities. Maybe you, you're like me. You don't have solid pat answers for this. And maybe we never will. Maybe we shouldn't. But we just need to think about where do rights and, and responsibilities intersect? And how does our responsibility to Christ and his kingdom affect how we exercise and view the rights that we have as American citizens and our responsibility to other people? So I hope that causes you to wrestle. And if you're part of our um, vast worldwide audience mm -hmm. and uh, you're in another country and yes. you might uh, want to tell us how that you, you see that applying in, in the place that you live. Mm -hmm. cool. Excellent. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. Editing by EC Productions. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at DiscipleshipDNA.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode.